Hey, what's up? Like, totally time for 90210. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the 90210 show. My name is Mark. With me, as always, is my girlfriend, Carol. How are you doing today, Carol? Hey, what's up? Much has been a good week here. It is December 13th. 1996. Your favorite number right there. Yeah. It's going to be a fantastic day. I love And I feel rudderless. <clears throat> I feel like I don't know what to do with this show. Really? Yeah. Why? I don't know. Because I barely remember <laughs> watching 90210. We watched it a couple days ago. It's been a bus- busy, busy, it's been busy couple insane. days. Yeah. So, I had to take my little nephew to the urgent care because he hurt himself. And well, while you were watching him. My aunt died a couple days ago. Yeah, his mom. It's been... Just joking. Uh, different aunts, but... I'm just establishing family relationships here. My aunt, not his aunt. Yeah, I know. But he's your nephew, meaning that your sister is his... Oh, yeah, that's right. So it would be your that's sister. That's how relationships would be your sister, not, not yeah, yeah, you're his aunt's cat. Yeah, all right. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so it's been, it's been busy. It's been everyone. Not great. Not a great week, but. I still feel a little bit like I'm, I'm, you know, recovering from this cold. Yeah. I am recovered, but. I, I feel all better. Good. Yeah. And I got good sleep and everything. I'm like in a great mood. I'm you're, sorry you're not. <laughs> you you can smell again. I, I can smell again and I can breathe. That's awesome. Yeah, that's nice. Very blessed. All right. Anyway, so 90210. Speaking of blessed. Mm, I don't know if anybody in this episode is blessed. Ooh, Everybody was upset. Blessed with a great episode, I thought. So... <clears throat> the episode starts... Do you remember the name of the episode? Because I don't remember the name of the episode. Oh, let me think. Yes, hate is a four-letter word. Oh, hate is a four-letter... Very good. <laughs> All right. I, uh, I I just, you know, looked at the tape real quick. It's a tr- truthful title, too. <laughs> <clears throat> so, it starts out with... Finally, we see Brandon and Kelly together. Right. Looking Actually, like they're a couple. A little bit, yeah. He kisses her. It, it's like, you know, they don't hate each other. They're <laughs> I don't know what the fuck's going not on. Not avoiding them. each other. It's weird. Yeah. But he's going to another one of those fucking, what is it, a council meeting or Senate, Senate meeting? Uh, student yeah, Senate. Student government meeting. Yeah. He, he, so it's established, we haven't really gotten into this at all, but it's established that... They're still challenging his presidency, the legitimacy yeah. of his presidency, and that he goes to the meetings. No one shows up at them. They're boycotting the meetings. So he goes up, he goes to the meetings, and then he bangs his gavel and is like, ah, meeting adjourned, nobody's here, and then leaves. And Kelly's like, why do you keep doing that? Like, why do you keep going to these meetings when no one ever shows up? And he's like, I don't know, tradition, I get to bang a gavel, whatever. <laughs> and then he walks in, and guess what? It's a full house. Yep. And everyone's pissed off and screaming at each other. Because the, what, African-American Students Union? Or I believe it's called the Black Student Black Union. Black Student Union? I okay. believe that's what it's called, yeah. Um, has invited a speaker mm-hmm. 
who is super controversial because he made a speech talking about basically anti-Semitism. Like how the Jews control the banks and the media, essentially, and how they have never apologized for the fact that they, they, they're slumlords, they own all the ghetto, and, and they're the ones that are holding black people down. It's basically just scapegoating Jewish people. Right. As, as humanity has been doing for the last 3,000 years, or so, 5,000 years, or whatever. So, you know, not, not great. Like, especially if you're, you're having, like, a rally to talk about uh, racism, mm-hmm. maybe don't invite a racist. Well, it's essentially Louis Farrakhan. What? It, he's, a, he's an avatar for Louis Farrakhan. Okay, I don't know who that is. So. He, he's a, he was part of the Million Man March stuff that happened a couple of years ago. Okay. Um, basically, he's a, a leader in the black community who has held some anti-Semitic uh, ideas in the past. Um, he's kind of changed from that a little bit it seems like i mean that's it, it seems to me this this guy's supposed to be very much like that because they talk about how you're taking his words out of context and you're twisting things you're not seeing things from his perspective this is old information he's he's more than just this he's more than just this one speech okay basically is the argument the argument is he has a lot of good messages. And I think, I think, I don't, I mean, obviously this guy's fake, so I don't know anything about him. But if we use Louis Farrakhan and some other leaders too, uh, I mean, Jesse Jackson very famously uh, said some anti-Semitic things as really? well. Yeah. Um, he, he made a comment about <clears throat> Jaime Town, uh, which is... Uh, what? Yeah, it's, it's a Jewish like slur. Um, but anyway, so and he's apologized for those comments. So there, there, there's a certain belief that a lot of the lower income property is owned and managed by Jewish people, and that there's a certain camaraderie between black and Jewish because they've both been slaves. They both, you mm-hmm. know, they both suffered uh, generations, long times. But there's also a sort of, not necessarily competition, but like animosity, I guess, because of differing power structures and and things like that. It's a whole complicated situation. And people like uh, Louis Farrakhan and like Jesse Jackson, they are fighting against perceived enemies and real enemies for the black community. So the black community rallies around them and loves them because of the sacrifice and the fight that they're putting, you know, putting into for their communities. So when people say that, so they kind of look at them with rose colored glasses. It's almost like they can't do anything wrong. And so when they, when they make mistakes like this, it's almost like they fight even harder for them. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so I think that's the situation that we're dealing with. If we want to, that's not presented very well in this episode, but if we want to look at it from the black college, the black, uh, caucuses point of view, I think that's where they're at. Okay. They're looking at this person as, Hey, we have been marginalized in this country for a long time. 
and this person is somebody who fights for us a lot and very hard and makes people listen. So they feel a sense of gratitude. That makes sense. And Andrea's pissed off because she's Jewish. Yeah, and I mean, I believe she does make the point at some point during the episode, like, you know, why him when you could have, you know, so many other people. Correct. So, um, but yeah, she's all upset and up in arms, understandably. Mm -hmm. And she talks to David. I didn't even really think about it, but that, like, he's Jewish. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, he's like, basically says, I don't really think about it either. I don't, I don't, I don't make a big deal about it. That's what he said. And this is now the second person that said something like that to her. Yeah. His, he doesn't, his Judaism isn't an identity for him. Mm-hmm. And it is for her. What, what do you think that's, a, I mean, like, does she look more Jewish or do you think it's just the way they're raised or like, I don't, I don't know. He's from Beverly Hills. Yeah, she's she, not. Yeah. She grew up in the valley or whatever, right? Like. I think because he's the the money that his family has defines him much more than his Judaism. Yeah. Because that's the big equalizer, right? You can yeah. be black, Jewish, white, Arabic. If you got money, that buys a certain amount of like respect and, and establishment, right? I'm sure there's still I'm sure there's still racism amongst the upper class. Well, or yeah. Like uh, the upper class white people are probably racist and exclusionary too. I mean, not all of them, but there is. I'm sure there's elements of racism amongst upper, you know, to upper class uh, black people. They, they showed that in you know previous episodes, like when there was a black family that moved into their you know Beverly Hills neighborhood. So. Right, the guy that invented <clears throat> that luxury popcorn or whatever yeah. the fuck it was. Uh yeah, Vivica A. Fox uh, on that episode. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, stuff like that, where it's like, I'm sure there's still, not that they don't deal with racism, but their money also defines them in ways that separate them from the hoi polloi like us. So. And, yeah, and, like, David, then he starts thinking about it, mm-hmm. and he says to Claire, you know, what do you think about me being Jewish? And she's like, I don't think about yeah. you being Jewish. Right. You're just David. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, Andrea's very upset. She talks to her grandma, Rose, who, as you pointed out, was like the third actress playing this role I now. I think so, yeah. <laughs> and um, they end up going to hear this guy talk when he eventually is talking. But I guess well, I'm skipping a bit ahead here. Oh, you're skipping a lot ahead. Yeah. But, but it's, uh, the, most of the episode is about this situation. Right. Where And there's several different aspects to it. So there's... There's the Andrea aspect, which I guess is probably the main storyline. Mm-hmm. Her grandmother offhandedly mentions at the beginning of the episode that her her son looks like, or is a daughter. They, they have a girl or boy, I can't remember. A girl. Their baby. That the, the girl looks like, I don't know, one of her... A baby she used to watch. Yeah, and the baby died in the concentration camp. And... Just like so, you know, we get a reiteration that she's in the that she was in the concentration camp, uh, you know, back in World War Two, and then he comes in, Brian comes in, and all this, all hell breaks loose, and Andrea gets back into politics, and as Jesse points out, this is like where she lives. Mm-hmm. She loves this stuff, and she does make it a lot about her. Now, that's yeah. not necessarily 
wrong because she's doing it for the right reasons, but she does love being in charge, being the center of attention, being on TV. She gets to be on TV with the news and everything. And she makes Brandon kind of look like a dick, which causes some strain in their relationship. We'll get to Brandon's sides of things Mm -hmm. later. But yeah, she... So eventually her grandmother tells her, you know, hey, uh, if it were me... And this is a person who was in a concentration camp. That was like, if it was me, I would like to hear what he has to say. Like, I don't hate this person. I don't know him. I don't know much about him. All we heard is one thing that he said. I would give him a chance to... She said She said something like, we need to give the anti-Semites even a chance to to explain themselves and to hear what they have to say. And and she said maybe he he is... She, just, and she talked about the Talmud and stuff like that. And she says maybe he is repentant and sees the error of his ways and things like that. And Andrea says, I don't think that he's that kind of person. And her grandma says, you have no idea what kind of person he is. Exactly. So Because, yeah, throughout the whole episode, she is very much like she's full speed ahead and she's not thinking about she's not thinking about like anybody else's point of view right she's being very self-focused and yeah i mean it's not a bad message to have but she's she's not doing it exactly the right way and that's that's highlighted a lot in this episode Sorry, this isn't going to be the funniest episode in the world. Well, no, because it was just, it was a a very very serious, heavy episode, episode, yeah. It it harkens back to the pre-college days when it was less of a soap opera. Yeah, every once in a while. issue-driven show. Every once in a while, they touch on these these bigger issues. So. And I assume that around this time, because keep in mind, again, we're like two years behind on the show. I assume around this time. Uh, was when Schindler's List was coming out, or or near this time period, anyway. Yeah, probably. So I think it's very top. The Holocaust and anti-Semitism and stuff like that is very top of mind. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it. it the Holocaust and everything should always be topical. At one point, <laughs> it was so funny because Brandon gets Brandon's very upset about the whole situation Mm -hmm. and he doesn't know exactly what to do. And at one point his dad, Jim says to him, well, you know, Brandon, you're, uh, you happened, you you hold the, the, the cross of being a, a white, a white male. Oh Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. This is the worst line ever (laughs) in a world where, you know, being a white male is just not as like common or like not as it's becoming less. Yeah. Less whatever. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, oh my God, sorry, we've only had the, you know, 250 years of domination of this country. What an, and then thousands of years before that. What an idiot asshole thing to say. Like, oh my God. I mean, it's just like such the yuppie white male oh, yeah. personified it's right hilarious. there. Hilarious. Hilarious. Ugh. And it's said completely unironically. Yeah. It's not said like, oh, look at this dumb thing that Jim says because he's from a previous generation mm-hmm. and he doesn't understand. It's presented as, as if like, mm, look at what's going on in the country, yep. everybody. The writers are showing their age again. <laughs> now, I have a serious <clears throat> question for you. Yes. The, the main question of the episode is, should this guy be allowed to speak? They're paying him to speak at the college. 
the the Black Caucus, the Black uh, Coalition, whatever it's called, I can't remember what it's called, uh, they want him there. Mm-hmm. And the Jewish uh, guy, there's a guy, the Jewish, I think it's like the Jewish, well, they talk about the Jewish Anti-Defamation League, but that's a, you know, a separate, uh, like, entity uh, outside of the school that's, that's something that covers the whole the whole country mm-hmm. or all the world really, um, but there's a Jewish like group on campus. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah. But Andrea gets to sit on the council. She uh, she like got elected to the council or whatever when she started with all this the stuff. But there's a guy that represents them, and he's saying we don't want him here because of his anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. So the main argument is between free speech whether or not he should be allowed to speak on campus because of free speech or hate or hate speech. And that's the main, the main argument. What do you think? Do you think that people who have controversial opinions and things like that should be allowed to be banned from speaking at colleges and things like that? Or do you think that free speech is too important? Here's the thing. Okay. Andrea references this poem and she does it very poorly and I almost wish I'd gotten a copy of it to read. She really does do it poorly. But there's a poem that talks about, you know, when they came for I don't know, the black people or Yeah, when they came for the Jews, I said nothing and you know, they came for me, there was no one left to speak for me. Right. And that's used by Andrea as a reason, Mm -hmm. you know, to not want this guy here because we gotta stand up for things. But I kind of look at that as applying to free speech where, you know, you don't want this person to speak and you don't want that person to speak. Well, eventually somebody's not going to want you to speak. I, I, I feel like we really need to be careful about what restrictions we're putting out there. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm so I'm somewhat torn on this on this question. And I think this episode's pretty good. I think it could have been better. It could have been written a little bit better. Oh yeah. But I think that <laughs> I think that this question and this central debate is one that's really interesting and multifaceted and I can see myself coming down on both sides of because I do think it's dangerous and irresponsible in, in a way to give a platform to someone who's espousing hate speech. So Anyone can say whatever they want to. I think that essentially there are free speech is somewhat restricted. The Supreme Court said it's somewhat restricted. Okay. It's not completely unfettered. You you know, famously, the Supreme Court said you can't scream fire in a crowded theater. <laughs> that causes a public panic. Right. And, and so there are certain restrictions to it. There are restrictions to all of the freedoms in the of the Bill of Rights. However. I do think that, for the most part, people should be able to say what they want to say. But that doesn't mean that they're also free of consequence from that. That's not what free speech is about. Okay. So yeah. he, there should be consequences. Um, so I think, for the most part, this guy, if he wants to say anti-Semitic things, he should be allowed to do that. However, <laughs> he should also be prepared to pay some consequences. And I do think that giving a platform to someone espousing hate speech can be very bad. Yeah, I mean, I guess that, that that's different than the question of whether or not somebody has the right to say things. Right. They are paying him to come and say things and whether or not they should be doing that. Right. However, 
to your point, I do think you have to be very careful about what you restrict. Maybe this guy should be restricted from speaking at the school, but there has to be a very stringent line on on what that is. It can't just be, I don't agree with what this person says. Because then, like you said, who's to say everyone will be banned? Right. So I think it's got to be very, I think it has to be, we, there has to be very high standards for what you're going to ban, I think. I think it's okay to ban some people from speaking, but I, I just think the standard needs to be very high. And who knows? We don't get into it enough to know how much this guy changed. We see one clip of him saying some some very anti-Semitic things. Yeah, and they say it's taken out of context, but they were so hateful that I don't think there's any context that makes oh, it better. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there is a like you said. I don't think there is a context for it. But has he changed from that point of view? Right. Because they say that's years ago. Has he apologized since then? What are his other beliefs? When he speaks at, on the campus, is he going to say any of that? Because should somebody be banned if they hold uh, hate speech opinions, but they're not actually going to talk about that? Mm-hmm. They're going to talk about something completely different, completely other aspect of things. So they're not actually promoting their hate speech, but they've had this bad opinion in the past. Who's to say? And I mean, obviously, luckily, that doesn't affect us very much mm-hmm. uh, because not all, you know, most of us aren't being filmed all the time and giving <laughs> interviews and stuff like that. They could pull this guy's tape out of nowhere, right? right. But there are tons of people that have said and, and done things and had bad opinions in the past that, I mean, that's just all lost to time. It, you know, that's never going to be recovered. So, I mean, luckily, that doesn't apply to most of us. But. Is that should should everyone's opinion from every stage of their life be held against oh, them? Yeah, of course not. I mean, <laughs> I mean that's that's another thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm very different than I was ten years ago. Right, exactly. Back in '86, we were both, you know, right, completely different people. So, um, and then like Deshaun yes. is in this episode briefly, and Brandon asks his opinion. Mm-hmm. And I love what he said because he's like, I'm suspicious of anybody who's going to take $10,000 from poor people just to talk or so whatever. So yeah, tell them what they want to hear. Exactly. He's like, uh, yeah, I'm suspicious of anyone that takes ten grand to tell poor people how bad they have it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and he's, not, he's not wrong. Deshaun, as always, has uh, you know a great opinion. Yeah, I always kind of wonder about those motivational speakers. Like... What makes them so special that people pay them to talk? Oh, I know. It's crazy, right? Yeah. I mean, I sometimes I get it when it's like a former president or stuff like that, because a lot of times they'll go on like speaking tours, you know, and things like that. But yeah, I don't know. But yeah, Brandon is having a very hard time with all of it, and he doesn't know what to do, and he doesn't know what side he's on, so he doesn't. He, he doesn't make a decision at all. He abstains from the vote. He, mm-hmm. First of all, he delays the vote, and Diaz, his his enemy, <laughs> uh, basically says, like, you know, you don't have any real power, and you don't, like, a real president would have called for a vote immediately. Well, and somebody said, I don't know if that was him or not, right then when he delayed it, well, of course he's not going to make a choice without talking to the chancellor, because, yeah. you know, he's his little bitch, basically. Diaz is the one that says yeah. that, yeah. But... So, yeah, he does delay, and he, you know, 
That's part of the problem, I think, is Brandon is too much of a deliberator, too much of a thinker sometimes. Mm-hmm. I don't think he should be impulsive necessarily, but sometimes decisive action is called for. Right. And he's not that person. He likes to think through everything many, many times at different angles, get lots of different opinions and gather information. And that's good for some things, but not for everything. I wonder, too, though, honestly, like, how much power does this student senate really have? I mean, what are the policies of this college? Nobody nobody really references, like, right. what, what administration has to say. Because in, in the end, I think it really comes more down to what the university will allow than anything. Yeah, well, and the, apparently, though, they have the ability to say no to the speaker. Yeah. They, I guess the Black Caucus is, is part of the student government, and they're, they said they're paying for it out of their own funds, but it's still university money and everything. So they're like, we have a say in it because it's university money. So I guess they do have at least a certain degree of power. They have a certain degree of autonomy as well from the because that's what Brandon says. Brandon says we have a an autonomy from the because uh, because they basically the chancellor's like or not the chancellor the dean because the chancellor's away this episode, right. but the dean says. You know, we can shut it down or whatever. We can, you know, with security and stuff. He goes, no, you know, we need, we're supposed to have autonomy. We need, to, you know, our degree of autonomy or whatever. So I, I do think that they have at least some kind of power. Yeah. I don't know what it's like on actual colleges if that's, I mean, I, get, I assume they give them more power. But I have no, I mean, like, I have no idea. I just, it seems like it's more complicated than a vote of students to make right. changes on a campus, but who knows? And I mean, I know in high school, it, there's not a lot of power for student government. Right, for sure. <laughs> but I don't know about college. I would just, I guess they give them more, but who knows? So in the end, they do vote mm-hmm. and they vote to allow him to speak. And Brandon abstains because he doesn't want to take. A position, and I think it's Andrea. Somebody tells him in in not taking a position because you didn't want to make one side or the other angry. You made everyone angry. Yeah, you alienated everyone. That was Andrea, and it's a good point. I mean, it's one thing that she says to him that's that's right on. And then Andrea and her grandma Rose both go and actually, instead of staying outside to protest with all the other uh, Jewish students that are protesting, Mm -hmm. they go inside. Yep. And David shows up to protest. So, you know, that was a kind of cool moment for him and Andrea, I guess. And nobody's there for Ray's birthday. Right. Yeah. That's the other storyline we have. Um, it is Ray's birthday. As such as it is, there's not much of a story there. He was turning 25. She is 19. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's kind of gross. Um, Good for Ray. I guess. And she wants to have a big party for him. And he doesn't want a party. He doesn't want one at all. He doesn't want to celebrate. He seems kind of down about turning 25. Mm-hmm. He feels like his life's over. <laughs> and... Um, so she tries to do the party. Can't happen. Too many people are busy. A lot of people are busy with this thing. And it's going to be her. This is such a weird setup, too. Her and Ray and David and Claire for dinner. Her ex-boyfriend. Right. Her ex-boyfriend and her roommate. And it's so weird. Mm-hmm. How are they all good all the time? I don't know. It kind of reminds me of that other, like, those couples that we knew back in the day. like. Uh, oh, yeah. You know who I'm talking about. Yes, I know exactly who you're talking about. Because <laughs> we had some friends that were exes that all hung out together. Yeah, the two of them dated, then they broke up, and then 
they dated others, and then the others became friends. Yeah, and everybody was friends, and everybody was fine. And it was weird. Like, every once in a while, it would occur to me. I'd look around and be like, all these people have seen each other naked. (laughs) 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 Oh, but I guess her and David are okay, so whatever. Yeah, that's, yeah. And then, so nobody shows up, and it's just them. And he's like, oh, you know, I don't care, because I didn't want a big party anyway, and... Um, I don't even like David, he says. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which makes sense, because it's her ex-boyfriend. I don't even like Claire and David. And he's like, well, maybe it'll be different when I get to know him, but I don't like him right now. <laughs> and then she buys him a very expensive guitar. Yeah, and, just kind of highlighting the uh, difference in their socioeconomic status. And that's that uh, That's that storyline. And At, the only other one that I can remember is... Dylan. Dylan, yes. Dylan's awake. Dylan's yeah. in the hospital. No longer the dreams of Dylan McKay. Dylan it's the is, reality of Dylan McKay. Dylan is handcuffed to the bed because he's going to be arrested, mm-hmm. which is so crazy to me. Why are they arresting him? Just because he had drugs in his system? Yeah, because he was doing drugs. I don't, I mean, and like. And then driving. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, I don't think he's going, I don't think he's going away for life or anything, but. He's probably going to jail for at least, I don't know, 60 days or something. But they handcuffed him to the fucking bed. Like, that seems like overkill for something that, like, it's a drug charge. It's not like he's, you know, committed a a murder or something, right. you know. And we get the doctor again, the nursing, st- doctor student or whatever, medical student, who wants to hear about his dreams. Yeah, she wants to, because she's studying near-death experiences, which, first of all, he did really he have ha- a near-death no. experience? Was that was that was that what that was supposed to be? Because it was clearly a coma, right? Which is not a near death experience. I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> it was weird, and um, like the villain in his dream, we kind of flash back to. It turns out that was his drug dealer. Yeah, we knew that. I didn't remember who that was. Okay, well, I knew that was his drug dealer. And what's really weird is what's her face, the Brenda yeah. wannabe Valerie. Valerie. Valerie is at his house. Going through his shit, dumping his drugs in the toilet. Mm -hmm. Like, who said, hey, Valerie, go check out Dylan's house and take care of this? Like, I think she did that all on her own. Well, yeah. She got the keys from from his mom, but yeah. It's insane. And then there's a knock at the door. She fucking answers his door in his house and lets... Wearing his robe. Let's the stranger in. Smoking his cigars. (laughs) But it's his drug dealer. Yeah. Like... why? Like, oh, I'm just a friend. I used to surf with him back in the day. Yeah, he's like, you know where like I can a, find him? Guy doesn't look like a surfer. If that guy got on a surfboard in the sun, he'd burst into flame. Right. <laughs> but like, I was expecting more to happen with the fact that she let him in. I guess she just told him where he was and everything was fine. Yeah, but I thought he was going to rape her. Yeah, something bad was going to happen, but no. Um, but I mean, said, something bad's going to happen when Dylan gets home and his drugs are gone. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think? Well, he's not going to be happy. Yeah. But, yeah, the guy comes in and he's like, hey, you know, when the cops come to arrest you, and they will, you don't know who the fuck I am. Mm-hmm. And he threatens to inject him with some drugs. He threatens to pull his IV. I mean, like, it's all, it's all terrible. He's very mean. Very mean to the... Yeah. He's, <laughs> what a meanie. <laughs> very mean the to the... This... drug dealer that hung out at the dive pool hall happens to be mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, yeah, I think he's he's skipping down, too. Like, I, I got that impression. I guess. I don't know. 
maybe not. I don't know, but I I, hope I don't think we're going to see him again. Yeah. <laughs> so I was afraid he was going to hurt him. Yeah. But his um and his mom's like, oh, everything will be fine. Don't worry about money. And he's like, that's not what you said to my answering machine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, I don't know. We'll see. I think he'll get his money back, at least some of it. I hope so. He better. We better see more of that uh, 45-year-old, 10-year-old. <laughs> and, I don't know, the I can't remember, Kevin and the girl. Yeah, I don't remember her name. Suzanne? The bomb. I think it is Suzanne, yeah. Suzanne and Kevin. In South America. Which is a very big place. It's not like even like specifically a country. It's the whole continent of South America. That's all we have to go on. I think they're in Brazil. Okay. But I don't know. Well, that is the biggest part of South America. Yeah. So that's a good guess. <laughs> if I were a betting person, I'd right. bet on Brazil. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, that's the episode. So hopefully next week will be a little bit lighter and fluffier. Hate is a four-letter word. Yeah. 90210 is a five number zip code. It is. It is that. So um, go ahead and write us at latefee1994 at awol.com. Check out our website at retrolatefee.com. Yep. And uh, share the tapes with your friends. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.